This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. For most of us growing up in the church, it's always been the elephant against the donkey, the red team against the blue team. Today, Pastor Ryan Bibb and Pastor Josh Harma continue our Politics and Faith series We'll be talking about what it means for believers to identify with a specific political group. Here's Josh and Ryan. Well, good morning. How you doing? Hope you're doing well. It's me, Josh Herma, here with my co-host, Pastor Ryan Bibb. How are you doing this morning, Pastor I'm Ryan I'm doing Bibb? well. That You totally <clears throat> threw me off. You totally did a different intro there. I know. I like I'm, it, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Doing I'm trying well. trying to mix it up. Mix it up. Uh, welcome to episode 41 of Radiant Reflections. This is, what are we on, part four? Part four of our uh, Politics and Faith series here. Uh, We've had a few of these episodes under our belt now. And this time we jump into what we are calling the game of red versus blue. For all you Halo fans out there. Uh, I think that that was Halo, right? I have no idea. On Xbox, it was red, red, red v. blue. Okay. Right? I think I don't know. I am I'm, I'm I terrible you. at video games, so like I I would always get killed right away in Halo. Um, but we want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to live out our faith in a very polarized, bipartisan culture. And then after this episode, and there will be some overlap here, we will also jump into just some issues, some issues, <laughs> and try to not just like talk about specific issues, there will be a little bit about that, but also how do we uh, weigh the issues when it comes to voting. So that we be, may disagree. Yeah, and that's all right. Well, we know at least one of the questions we know, there. We, we know, will disagree, we know we'll disagree. On, which is awesome. So, uh, but I've really enjoyed it. I, I mean, I've I've enjoyed our three previous ones. Um, I've just enjoyed trying to understand what it's like to follow Jesus, stay true to Him above everything, but yet, how do we handle government and? politicians that aren't following Jesus that are doing things that we disagree with like how does this is this is fun waters to navigate this has been fun I hope viewers and listeners so you guys are enjoying it and um, it's okay to disagree with us we're we are not sitting here in the chairs as experts again we are just trying to figure out how what does it look like to truly live out Jesus our our rabbi our savior of this world 2,000 years later in a government system that was not, in the times, biblical. I'm not saying what we have is unbiblical. It's just we don't have biblical precedent for the governing body that we have today. So what does it look like? It's fun to navigate those waters. We hope you grow and learn. That's all. Just grow and learn. Yeah, and we're not experts. And I do want to mention once again the resources that some of the resources that we've used. Do you have them with you? Uh, I only have one of them on my on my oh, chair today. Last week you had a ton. Um, I did, and I was like, man, that, it got really hard to sit in my chair with yeah. all those <laughs> all those books in here. Uh, but a couple of things that we have uh, worked through in preparation for this is a book by David Platt called "Before You Vote." Uh, he's a pastor. Um, uh, Chuck Colson's "God in Government." We referenced that last week in the episodes. Um, Honoring God in Red or Blue by Dr. Amy Black. And then uh, a short little read called God in Politics by Mark Deaver. Those are some of the resources I would encourage you, uh, especially, and I will reference part of uh, the David Platt book today. Uh, You still have time. If you get this on Amazon, you have Prime, you can get this 
uh, and knock this out. This is seven questions to ask before you vote. I will reference a tool that he uses, uh, but especially if you're listening, it's going to be really hard to like actually grasp it without the visual because it's, it's a visual tool. So, yeah. But there we go. Yeah, and, and I want to say, you know, <laughs> those resources are, are, in my eyes, those resources you mentioned are very neutral. Yes. Because I think you can go searching for what you want to find and supplement your belief system. You'll find it. These are, we're giving you very neutral resources. Right. The thing I love about this uh, David Platt book is he, at the end of it, like, because at the end, like, the last question is, how should I vote? How do I vote? And, and maybe people pick this up thinking, sweet, he's going to tell me which candidate best represents this. Uh, but he, spoiler alert, he doesn't do that. He gives you the tools to put your faith into practice as you cast your ballot. Yeah. So I love that. I love that. So, um, all right. You ready, to, you ready to jump into Red v. Blue? I am. Just remember, help me along in this process. <laughs> Here we go. So... You know, there, there might be a lot of people within our, within our, whether it's within our country or just within our listening and viewing audience, right, that they tie their political choices to their faith. The issue, though, is some people might say, well, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus, so I vote Republican. And you think, okay. But then you have others who say, well, I'm a Christian. You know, I want to follow Jesus. So I'm going to vote Democrat. <clears throat> and then you have people that say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm going to vote Libertarian or some you know, third party independent, you know, whatever it is. So, so it's, not, it's not so uh, clear cut as, oh, well, I guess you know, you're a Christian. This is the party you vote for. But take, take a, a few minutes here and unpack for us what are some ways that each party embodies different aspects of living like Jesus? So I, I think we do live in a culture right now where I, th I think it's slowly fading, this idea. There was an idea 40, 50 years ago, 30 years ago, that if you are Christian, you do vote Republican. I mean, that was a very strong thing. Um, and you're seeing certain things over time just fade here and there with that idea. Um, yes, I think more and more, maybe just because I'm going to say this because I feel like I'm young and I've voted in several elections, but not maybe as many as some of the listeners and viewers have. But I mean, I am seeing more and more um, Christians, if you will, say, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm a Democrat, or I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm, uh, I'm not a liberal Democrat, I'm more of a conservative Democrat, or I'm a Christian, I am going to vote I don't like the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. I think the Libertarian Party is more of a biblical worldview. That's why I'm voting that or, or whatever. You're, I feel, and maybe it's, again, maybe I'm young and it's always been there. I just feel like that's the more narrative that's being spoken these days than in, in previous past. I made a statement a week or two ago that says I can make a pretty convincing argument that Jesus could be a Republican or Jesus could be a Democrat. I think there are things that all parties represent that I would say represent a biblical worldview. Um, the Republican Party, is this where I'm supposed to give like examples? 
You can. I mean, we probably won't do a, like a super deep dive deep into dive issues because okay, we'll, we'll do we'll okay. do a deeper dive into some of the issues. Okay, so we give the flyover real. Quick, give a flyover. Right? Okay. Just just because because there might be On people issues. listening that say, "Ain't no way there's a Democrat who's a Christian." Gotcha. And there might be people saying, "Ain't no way there's a Republican who's actually following Jesus." If they yeah. were really following Jesus, they would vote. They would. They would vote. You know, Democrat. Okay. Uh, okay. So give us and give help us me out that, on some of these that too. Thirty thousand yeah. uh, foot view okay. of just again different ways that each party and you can if you want you can bring libertarians and you can bring the Green Party and you can <laughs> <laughs> which I did some research on those parties yesterday. By the way, um, we'll see if that ever gets up into a discussion. So the Republican Party does, I think, an extremely well thing. They do a biblical worldview of sanctity of life. They do. Why are you smiling already? <laughs> we just started the podcast, and you're smiling. So I'm trying to be happy. Okay, smiling is. We'll get is into good more issues of the sanctity of life in the next podcast because you and I will disagree with some of the language there. But um, they are obviously anti-abortion. Um, and I think they, they celebrate probably that worldview that's the biblical worldview extremely well. Um, I'm going to jump now on another side real quick. The demo, we, we have a biblical mandate for creation, taking care of creation. It's a biblical mandate for us as followers of Jesus to take care of Christians. The Democratic Party does a way better job of environmental issues than the Republican Party does. So to me, the Democratic Party has better biblical worldview on the care of creation than the Republican Party does. And again, you can disagree. Like this is just what 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 I what I see and I'm not I'm not I'm seeing cases for both. I I think the Democratic Party has a stronger stance on taking care of orphans and widows and the poor than the Republican Party does. I think the Republican Party, though, does probably take care. I think the Republican Party probably does a better job of limiting government authority in our lives. And, and if you will, you want to stand for freedom, which I love this nation, and we have the freedom to worship. We have the freedom to do what we're doing now. I think the Republican Party has a better stance on limiting their own power and authority, governmental power and authority, and giving it more to the hands of the people. Um, I think both party fails fail at individual rights because, as I said in the previous uh, podcast, I do think rights in self we idolize, and it's been an idol in our life. And as followers of Jesus, we are to die to that. That's the narrative. Well, I have a right to. You died to yourself when you chose to follow Jesus. It's about Jesus and others, and so I think both parties. Fight with that. It's your right. It's your right. It's your right. No, I ought to be thinking about my neighbor first. Just on just the interesting thing, and I don't want to get too much into issues here. They focus on individual rights, but they come at it from a different standpoint. So yes, yes. so which yeah. is which does make it difficult yeah. to say. Oh well, they both have like an unhealthy, you know. So yeah. exactly, you know, you brought up you know uh, the abortion issue. Yeah. Right. So and, you know maybe the Democratic party historically has said, well, no, like this is an individual right. You cannot take away the individual right of, of the woman. Right. Yet, at the same time, for things like, you know, uh, several years ago, President Obama had the Affordable Care Act, you know, health care, hey, uh, health care is an individual right, but... 
to achieve that individual right. It requires taking away individual rights. So there is a little bit of a focus right. on the, the, the whole, the big picture. Yes, it's an individual right issue, but it's looking at the big picture versus maybe in some economic issues, the Republicans would be much more like, well, no, hey, dude, you can't tax the snot out of this rich guy. He worked really hard to make all that money. And, you know, <laughs> no. so they just come at it from different angles on different issues. And mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, um, keep talking because my head was spinning <laughs> for a moment and I was trying Sorry, to think of what because I was because I, I got you off track or. <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah, I, I, I realize there there are certain things that I think again each party does better job. In my eyes, it's just I'm just one guy. In my eyes, as a biblical worldview, than the other party, and I think both parties has a representation of a biblical worldview. Um, maybe one party does more than the other. Um, <clears throat> Perhaps, depending on how you vote, what issues you vote on, which we'll get into in the next podcast. But I, I, I don't want to sit there and sit there, if you're a Republican and listen and say, there is nothing of Jesus in the Democratic Party. Or if you're a Democrat listening and saying, there is nothing of Jesus in the Republican Party, or the Libertarian, or the Green Party, or, or whatever. There is biblical representation, worldview, in both. I see it. So now let's unpack the other side. And we hit on this a little bit. And maybe just by comparison, you could, you, you could draw these out. But I want to I wanna just be as clear as we can. Oh, there's immigration. I didn't even talk who does a better job on immigration. <laughs> All right. Did you want to hit on that real quick? I may go into too much details. Okay. We so do that we'll, on the next we'll save podcast? that for the next podcast. That is in the list. Okay. For the next All right. Because I do side on one political party on immigration. Okay. So I was, I was part of a webinar not part like I wasn't presenting. I was, I was viewing a webinar, uh, and there's a pastor named Albert Tate, who you and I had the privilege of uh, hearing teach at the Exponential Conference in Orlando right before the world went to crap right with Right before, like we were flying home. That was the last Sunday we were together. We were flying home that Saturday. And I remember looking at some of my friends that were also down there that we know of pastors down at that conference, and they're like, my plane is full of people wearing masks, and it was like, like what, what is, happening? is happening to our nation right now? And then a week later, the nation gets shut down, so that was pretty crazy. But Albert Tate was there. He's so good. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But I was uh, in this webinar. He made a, a statement, and it really stuck with me. He said that followers of Jesus should not fit comfortably under the elephant or the donkey we should only fit comfortably under the lamb, the lamb obviously being a reference to Jesus. So we talked about some ways that each party embodies living like Jesus. What are some ways that each party falls short of a Jesus-shaped life? So the one thing any government cannot promise us is the kingdom of heaven. Only God can. And again, I am thankful for living in this nation. We have freedoms that we do. I'm thankful for the men and women that serve in this nation to allow us to do what we do. So thankful for that. I'm thankful for government officials that try their best as they navigate waters that, again, half of the nation or state may dislike you and the half voted you in. I'm thankful for men and women who serve in those roles, very much so. But I know our hope is not in government, ultimately. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And that quote, dude, that, that's gold. 
Yeah, that was that blew my socks. Like as, as soon as you said that, I like grabbed the sticky note. I was like, I gotta write like, that down. Believers mm-hmm. should not fit comfortably under the elephant or the donkey. We should fit comfortably under the lamb. Like, wow. And I think that actually relates well into the previous podcast that we did on faith and politics. We got a little, someone got a little more heated than the other, but uh, <laughs> but but that's that that was the idea, right? Is we we do we we feel like this represents all, but it, but it's not. I don't have a direct answer, and you may have to help me answer your question. I feel like it's the opposite of what I just said. In well, the first and, that, and that's why that's why I say it. we did kind of hit on it, and I think you know we could listen. Like, oh, okay, well, th- I just wanted to just for the sake of being crystal clear, you know, so you said, hey, Republicans, uh, they embrace uh, uh, a greater level of respect for the sanctity of life, yes. which you say, hey, that is a that is a biblical value. Life in so, general so is a biblical value. By contrast, you would say, so the Democratic Party, or, and, and I want to be careful to, to even use that language, because I don't want to say that it's not to represent everybody right. who would, would right. vote Democratic. I mean, so let's, let's say the Democratic, the current Democratic uh, nominee, right? So right now, the Democratic nominee is, is Joe Biden, yep. right, versus you know, he'll be facing you know, uh, now President Trump, who is the Republican candidate. You know, you'd say, well, you know, based on what he has said, what him and, and his running mate uh, Kamal Harris have said, you know, they do not have that level of respect for the sanctity of life. And so you'd Correct. say that would be something that would fall short of yes. you know, what yes. God calls us to yes. and what we have in Scripture. But then I hear some things that the Democratic Party and their platform on the environment and the care for it, and then I read what the Republican, and I feel like, okay, Republican Party, you're a little short. I think the Democratic Party is looking a little more like Jesus and doing more of an effort where you guys are falling a little short on the effort of the mandate of creation care. So, yeah. Okay. What are some other, are there any other ones? Like, just, again, I just, I want to, maybe I'm just beating this horse till it's good and dead. But, I mean, other ones we talked about, and we'll get into more, like we said, we'll get into more about immigration um, in the next episode, because we'll, we'll dig into some more of the so issues. So, I'm, I'm, the word socialism, I, the idea of socialism. <laughs> but, buckle there, up, right? ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure where he's going with this. I think I know where he's going with so, this. Here's what, <laughs> so, yeah, not, don't buckle up. Have a lot of grace here, because I'm fumbling over the words. I think, I think you guys will get it, and it'll come across. with. I think that... In its purest form, socialism, there's elements of socialism in its purest form. Okay, I'm talking the purest form, not what we see today, not the way that we've muddied socialism. There, there can be great things. What socialism does is there's something about caring. Yes, people don't work and the working people have to take care of the non-working people. Like, but that's not socialism in its purest form. That's the muddiness that life has created right now, right? Um, and I'm not a socialist. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to say, though, is there's something there that looking out for one anothering or for one another is done more efficient in its purest form. That's why I repeat this thing. In its purest form than what we see right now 
in our current government system. Like, again, it goes back to Jesus's, what's the greatest commandment? Love God, and the second is this, love your neighbors as yourself. We ought to be helping the poor. We ought to be helping the widows. We ought to be helping the orphans. We ought to be doing that as Christ followers. There is something to the purest form of socialism that allows it to happen better than we do with the current party system. Now, again, I'm not a socialist. I'm not there to fight. I'm not saying laziness is the answer to everything because I know that's, people say, well, socialism will just bring laziness and the hardworking people have to pay for the laziness. Like, again, please hear me. That's not the purest form. But how do we, lo- how do we want another? And, I, and I, I think sometimes maybe one party's a little, here's more, and I'm more of a guy that sits there and goes, I'm okay with you taxing me a little bit more as long as those funds are used in a better way to enhance my neighbor's life. I'm okay with that. Well, but even the objection you just made to socialism, right, that, hey, like now the the hardworking people are going to have to, you know, carry the weight of all the slackers out there. Like even that is a a me-centered objection. Well, yeah, and I'm not saying that you were making we, it on your behalf, but I'm right. saying like it, that's, it the, that's the culture. They're like, be. hey, no, like I don't want to have to, you know, pay yeah. for this person to be alive. I don't want to pay for me to. But if know. this person isn't working because they actually truly have maybe, if you will, um, um, like a disability that you and I don't know of, but we have a tainted view to say, well, that person is just lazy and I'm hardworking. Why should I pay for them stuff? If it will better their life, by golly, I'm going to pay for your stuff. I, I think showing you Jesus in the hands and feet of Jesus is more important than what the self of, well, that's my money, that's my hard-working money, don't tell me what to do with my hard-working money. I think when we say that, we make life about me and not about the kingdom of God. It's just, it's just very, that's why I love this conversation. Like a, a lot of this is I'm literally just processing and thinking out loud as I'm speaking. Um, this is why I love this episode. It's very difficult to follow Jesus in understanding what does it look like when we die to self? We have to understand. And I, I don't think in America we do a good job. We live the American dream, right? Which is great. Like, hey, go on those vacations, buy that. I'm not opposed to that at all. I just know we are called to die to self. And I think here as Christians in America, we do a horrible job of dying to self. Because we do make it about me. And I, I, I want to I get retired at some point in my life, which it's going to be a long time before I can retire. Maybe that'll be a separate issue because I actually, I actually don't think, I don't think retirement. No, I don't, I don't want to go there. I want to, I want to be able to give money away like crazy. And they, we, I'm going to say we have some incredible people at this church here at Radiant Life that do. They have a heart. God has blessed them this way or that way in just life. And that's what they do. They have a heart to, help and give is whether it's time, uh, their treasure, their resources, whatever it is. I want to get to that point where I can do that, where I can look at my neighbor. Hey, my neighbor may need, may be a, and I'm making this, this is fictitious. My, my neighbor may be a drug addict, but my heart breaks for them. And yeah, maybe that's not why they're working because they got an addiction problem, but I'm called to be Jesus to them and get them out of their brokenness and help them find hope and healing in Jesus Christ. I'll give them the money. I'll go pay for their counseling. And the, the caveat is some, there's many people on the other side that says, well, they just need to break that addiction. They need to work. They need to do this or that. I know, but they can't because they are so muddied and blinded by evil right now. And we have the hope. And let, why don't we get in the mud with them? 
And if it means I'll give you some money, I'm going to give you money to get healthy. I'll do it. I'll sacrifice. Something Jesus did for all of us. He sacrificed his life so that you and I can have life. We ought to be doing the same here in America as Christ followers. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And maybe and this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, right? But And maybe this is, in a sense, calling some people out. Because, you know, you, you go, I want to bounce back, you know, to what your objection, again, to socialism. Right? It's very similar to me to when my kids, and this has happened with probably every one of my kids that is, like, able to, you know, form sentences and, and, and have a conversation. Like, something will happen. Like, oh, hey, I... I I took this kid, we went grocery shopping, and hey, I stopped by McDonald's and got that kid a cheeseburger. Well, the other kids, well, that's not fair. You know, and, uh-huh. and, and so the, but, uh-huh. but fair to them means I wanted that. Now, yeah. if I had just taken that child and not the other ones, they wouldn't have complained at all whether or not it was fair. Well, yeah. you know, well, and, and I think this has, in a sense, played out the way we see adults approaching justice issues i want to be i want to be careful here because this is like i'm just thinking out loud right but when there are some things that we look at as justice issues and we say oh this this isn't fair this isn't just and what we what we really mean if we if we dig down into our our heart is well okay let's go to your objection like why should all the hardworking people pay for all the slackers there might be some people who what they're really saying is I want to be a slacker and have everybody pay for me. <laughs> You're right. There could be you know, people so it's, it's like that. a tainted, it's not that you actually care. And, and, and this is not applied to everybody. Not applied to everybody. Please hear me. But again, it's, it's, you got to look at your heart and yeah, yeah our, our ideas of, of fairness and uh, justice. I think but our, are, our political system right now is, is very polarized. I mean, you hear the word, oh, the Republican party, the rich get richer. Right, that's the statement in the Republican Party. The Democrat Party steal from the rich, give to the poor. Those are two very polarizing things. So, where do we as Christians stand? Where, where do we? I mean, I, I do believe we ought to help the poor. That's Jesus, right there. But what is it? What is exactly does that look like? And the function, the method to do that? That's where the political system gets muddy. Yeah. Well, and I do want to, I do want to like, I'll probably upset some people here because again, we're we're not, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Hopefully everyone listening is just a grace filled, uh, ready to know. (laughs) They are grace filled because we're all trying to do this together. And and please hear us. This is, this is not, I'll, I'll borrow Ryan's disclaimer. This is not me advocating for (laughs) policies that are, are, uh, colored by socialism, but I, I pulled up a definition on Google here for socialism. So it's a noun. It's a political and economic theory of social organization which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. If you read about the church in Acts, I don't know, two and four, four, I think more so, right? <laughs> Go read that. I want everyone listening <laughs> watching. Go read about the church. Um, again, I'm not saying that the uh, early church was socialists. Um, but they they definitely had a different approach to things than what many of us uh, do right now. So, no. well, and, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I meant in the purest form. Mm. Again, I think what we what we do with we hear the word socialism and we can freak out because we see it um, misused in awful ways in other countries, or we may have a, a potential political candidate that you know people deem you run on a socialistic platform and 
it's that's his views, right? I mean, that's his views, what socialism is and whatever. But that's what I mean by in its purest form, we right. take care of each other. Right. And there's something powerful to that. Um, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I want to read, again, and this is, uh, and I'll invite your thoughts on this, because I was, as I was finishing out the David Platt book, um, he, he has questions for everybody to ask. And again, this is, this is aimed at primarily people that would look at it as a, as a binary system. Like you have this party or this party. So it just, but you could apply this to, to any other party as well. He has questions that you should ask about the parties you're not voting for. And then he has questions that you should ask about your own party. And if you're good with it, I'm actually just going to read these questions because I read these and I was like, whoa, those are really good. So things that you should ask about the party you don't vote for. Question one, are there any concepts consistent with biblical justice being promoted by the political party that I oppose? Question two, does that political party show any concern for vulnerable individuals and groups? Question three, does that political party demonstrate any desire for fair creation or implementation of laws? Question four, do any of that political candidates show political parties' candidates show evidence of decency, morality, or order? And question five, how is that political party trying to promote good and prevent evil? So, I mean, the, the premise being that if you ask these questions, you might actually see, huh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe this, this party's candidates aren't uh, as, as much the devil as I've been presenting them to be. But those are very, I think unbiased questions what i mean by that is we've polarized politics today where it's like oh and, and this is the narrative in our culture if you oppose if you don't agree what i agree you are evil get away from me we must hate each other and that's just like no just literally do you think there's any good in this person's heart any any good any any little smidgen change our perspective and it's not and it's not to say oh you asked those questions now oh you're automatically going to switch and vote for the other party but if, if nothing else, if you can find aspects of good, which, again, in the first question we talked about, there are things that each party does that represents uh, what we're called to in Scripture uh, better than the others. Uh, if nothing else, this will hopefully give you a little bit more grace as you engage with people who vote differently than you. Instead of looking at it and say, oh, well, you vote for that party, like you're clearly a moron, like who, who isn't following Jesus— uh, you could look and, and say, "Oh, well, you know, actually, there's some good in there. I can see it. I could see why somebody might be inclined to, you know, it, like if they have a heart for this, they might go that way." You know, what are you thinking? You're setting us up for the next okay. episode. Okay. So All right. Awesome. Now, questions to ask about your own party. Uh, again, you got five questions here too. So ask this about the party or the candidate you are voting for. Uh, question one, are there any concepts of injustice that might be motivating my political party? Again, you have to be like super like honest and raw well, like you when you ask you it. And you, you, you can't, you have to take the blinders off. Yep. Question two, does the political party I support show any lack of concern for any vulnerable individuals and groups? Question three, does the political party I support demonstrate any lack of focus on fair creation or implementation of laws? Question four, do any political candidates in the party I support show a lack of decency, morality, or order? 
And question five, how is my political party failing to promote good and prevent evil? So those are, those are some questions I think that are uh, really challenging. And it, again, it requires you to be really honest and take, a, take a, as much as possible an unbiased look at uh, the party that you typically align yourself with. But anything you want to add to those? Otherwise, we'll, we'll move on. No, I really liked your, your second question on the party that I'm voting for. I forgot what it was off the top of my head. <laughs> you really liked it, but it, it didn't. Say, I, 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 bruised, I bruised through them pretty quick. Uh, does the political party I support show any lack of concern for any vulnerable individuals and groups? I think that one's going to come up in a, a, a couple of different ways in the next episode where we talk about issues. Because uh, you might be listening and think, oh, ha! Because maybe you're listening and you can quickly identify things that uh, the other party, where they don't show... You know, but it's uh, right again. You gotta gotta look at your own party as well. But that's cool because he mentioned, yeah, um, that concern for individuals or groups, um, but also a question is concern for creation. Hmm. That's a good balance there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So earlier you talked about how you know for a long time you know there was this perception and and who knows maybe this is colored by uh the homes that we grew up in colored by the social circles that we've run in i don't know but you 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 talked about um a perception that oh well if you're a christian you know you're you're a republican right i mean and i and i've had conversations with people and they just they assume like oh well yeah you voted for so and so because you know you're you're a pastor or you're a christian and it's like well, wait, like what, is, what, are the, what are those two things uh, automatically have to do with the other? But how do you think it came to be that there was this unhealthy connect? Because I, w- I would say it is an unhealthy connection because it isn't an accurate representation of either the political party or necessarily of, of uh, the church as a whole. But how do you think it came to be that there's this unhealthy connection between evangelicals and one political party over the other? It's a good question, and I don't, I don't, I don't have a firm grasp as to where it, where it came about. It could have been about because of one issue. Um, it could stem on the on the pro life issue. Um, but there's extreme danger in that to unbelievers. Is that if we tie an entire political party into saying this is the representation of the gospel, we have completely misrepresented the gospel. Completely misrepresented. And that's scary. Because that means that guy in office, if that's supposed to represent the Christians out there, that guy in office or that woman in office, to an unbelieving world that could be like oh so that person actually represents what a christ follower is and that's the gospel message i want nothing to do with it then and that is the danger of tying christ followers to a a a single political party i think it can be very dangerous um and i think it was if i'm not mistaken you can correct me billy graham's granddaughter actually had a quote I'm about trying, I heard it. I'm evangelicals being <laughs> careful about that uh, the current president being the epitome of the gospel mm. because that can 
There's a lot of things. But, but even just, then, that ties back into what we talked about last week with the golden calf, right? Like, man, like, no, the only one who's like the full, like, representation of the gospel was Jesus. Yes. Uh, yes. So, yeah, I mean, any, any, yeah. you, you could have a solid Jesus following political candidate and they are still not on a level playing field with, with Jesus. They're still a yeah. broken, so broken, fallen, sinful human being. Mm-hmm. So. And at times may lash out and do those things. Uh, the, the flesh gets the best, excuse me, gets the better of them. But the scary thing is, again, to the unbelieving world, oh, that's the gospel message. I don't want anything. So, yeah. I don't know. Where do you think it? the tie came from? Yeah, I mean, and, and that's where I don't know if it's, and maybe it's not. Honestly, if you're I listening, if you're listening or watching this, this would be actually really great. I, I almost wish we had like a live audience. A live audience right now. Um, I don't know. JB, JB's in the room. Like for you, like growing up, like through your teen years, early adult years, like did you ever, were you, were you kind of aware of that, that association? Oh, like if you're a Christian, you're a Republican. Okay, I mean, because that was me. But like, do you, do you all, know where the all, tie comes all growing from up, like I remember, history. like, like, oh yeah, like there was always this the issue. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, so you'd say, I mean, he it, would it, say it all, all boils to down to pro life issue. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I figured it probably did, but yeah. I don't. Know, if you're if you're watching or listening, uh, and that isn't your, you're like, oh no, I've never actually, I've never viewed things like that, or uh, you have insight beyond what what we have uh i would love it if you would shoot us that information in, a, in an email podcast at the radiant life dot church um yeah there you go so you i mean you talked about talked about a little bit but do you think there's any other other damage you know like that that inaccurate party and faith affiliation uh has do you think that's done other damage? You know, you talked about, hey, that we got to be careful because if we prop this candidate up and say, oh, this person is the 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 embodiment of the gospel 100%. But do you think there's any other damage that's been done uh, within the church or even within within the, the political structure just I mean, by the way this has been? I'm sure there is. I, th- I think maybe some damage has just been our interactions with people who vote for the other party. It's like we can't have a conversation and we can't agree or you, you think this is your stance and I think this is the right way to tackle this issue, but you think that's the right way to tackle the issue and we feel like maybe we've done damage because we can't even have civil conversations. I mean, that's why they say at work, don't ever bring politics to work, right? Well, politics and religion, those are the two And things. it's like, <laughs> like why? Because we, can we not have a civil conversation even though we may vote different parties or candidates can we still not can i still not love each other well and one another and still have great conversations even though we vote differently or but I, disagree with this issue or that issue why can't we feel we we just we become so polarized and that it breaks my heart and i think it breaks god's heart that this nation any nation it's just it's like his creation is so polarized right now so do you think in some ways, and it'd be interesting to look back over the history of our country to see when that mentality became prevalent. The, hey, the things you don't talk about at work or, or don't talk about really at all are, are politics and religion. Um, because in a sense, do you think that could have been a self-fulfilling prophecy? We've, we've told everybody, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion. 
So now we're at this point where nobody knows how to have an intelligent conversation about politics or religion with somebody else. Because for years we've said those are the taboo subjects. And we do. uh, Let's be honest. We get passionate about things we care for. So some of us um, getting in those conversations when someone is completely on the other end of what I'm very passionate for. I mean, we can get a little offensive and and, and defensive. And I I understand that. Like, I I get that. Heart, but we, we also have to receive what the what they also view. We don't have receiving their view does not mean that I endorse your view. Mm. It means just I'm hearing your viewpoint. We're just coming at it from different angles, but let's still be civil. Okay. So what is so start thing? bringing up politics? I mean, they say don't bring faith in politics to the work, but they also say don't bring it to the family, right? Don't bring it to Thanksgiving. Don't bring it to Christmas. <laughs> so you're saying like everybody within the own at, at family, we can't. So you're saying at Thanksgiving this year, just as an exercise, everybody should bring up politics. <laughs> I think it would be a pretty exciting. It'll be more exciting than watching the Lions. There you go on Thanksgiving. There you go. Maybe Somebody said some. they won yesterday, they which did. that doesn't happen. Last two often. seconds, they won. Right. Three and three, sitting at five hundred right now. So in John 17, oh, Jesus biblical now. Jesus prays that there would be unity among believers. Yeah. Unity. How do you think, like, have, have we as the church, have we just been asleep at the wheel? Like, how have we got to this point where we have let something become so divisive, you know, within the church? I honestly think we've taken our eyes off of Jesus and put it on government, and we've put it on political candidates. I mean, it it goes back to an episode you and I talked about. We're more passionate and excited about talking about the political candidate than we are about our faith in who Jesus Christ is. We've taken our eyes off of our Savior, and we focused on that. We got, if we're going to ever live into Jesus' prayer of unity, it's going to be a heart surrender, a heart issue, getting our eyes as as a body of believers back on Jesus. It, that's the starting point. If we can't do that together, we will have division all over. Even in the politics, we have to get our eyes back on Jesus. Okay, dig in a little bit though to unity, right? Does unity mean we all think the same thing? No. What is that's that conformity? What does that look like though then for us to to read your Bible verse? Well, because this actually I I, I do want to jump. I'll I'll jump uh because Tied to this, I think, is the idea of humility. Right? I, want, I want to read uh, something out of Philippians chapter 2 here. It says this, starting in verse 1, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation for those that are wondering. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So it's this idea of humility, but there's also uh, some aspects of unity 
in that passage. <clears throat> what does humility look like in real life? And what does unity look like in real life? If it isn't all of us thinking alike, oh, well, unity means we can only, uh, we should all agree that this, uh, this is our stance on a policy, this is our stance on a candidate, this is our stance on, if it isn't that, what is it? Jesus. <laughs> Come on, Kinsey. <laughs> in here or what? Like, no. <laughs> I can make fun of him because I know that he doesn't listen to the podcast all the time. So. <laughs> we love you, Kinsey. Uh, I, yeah, I think, I think if we're ever going to get to unity, and I'll be honest, I don't know if I have a full grasp on what that fully embraces and looks like. I mean, I think I have little pieces and elements of what unity may look like. It's hard because I don't think we've seen it <laughs> in, in our culture, in our day and age. But if we're going to ever get to unity, you have to start with humility first. You have to realize, I, I, it feels like I'm beating this horse to death now. God and others, God and others, God and others. you got to be willing, those two first and foremost. As, as followers of Jesus, that's where we're at. You have to love God, love others. But humility comes in thinking about others above yourself. If we're ever going to get to unity, that's where it starts. Unity cannot have selfishness in it. It can't. It won't work that way. So we have to start that Philippians 2 verse. It has to start with humility. So an element of the unity is that we are serving one another. I'm thinking about my neighbor more than I am myself. And above everything, I'm thinking God above it all. I'm not thinking my own interests. Um, I'm not thinking what I desire or preference or want. I'm thinking God. I'm thinking others. And I just think that if we start there, this thing of unity will begin to form and we'll see other elements that we didn't realize that unity had. But it starts with humility and it starts God and others, God and others. You got something to say. Well, I, I, just, I, think, I think a key thing is uh, understanding what it is we are to be united around. Jesus. And that's Jesus, right? I mean, because, you know, when we make that, and this, again, ties back into the golden calf, right? When we, when we have... Uh, Jesus as the the primary focus, right? I think by default, some of the other things that we let cause division will fall away. Because if we know, hey, this is what Jesus calls us to, but I think the humility comes in because we could say, well, hey, we wanna we wanna be united in our pursuit of what Jesus calls us to. Humility comes in in understanding. Uh, you know, hey, I want to pursue Jesus, and this is this is an important aspect of what Jesus calls us to. <clears throat> and here are some political ramifications. Humility is understanding this person over here who maybe votes differently. They're united with us in their pursuit of Jesus as the primary uh, focus. But there's a maybe a different issue or a different you know a policy that uh, they want to pursue because that also reflects what Jesus calls us to. Yep. So there's, I think there, humility comes into play in that uh, as, we, as we work together. But I think it's understanding what we're united. Uh, mm -hmm. 
And two, uh, I mean, you know, later in, well, not later, because it's in, it's in Ephesians, not Philippians, in a different letter that Paul writes, you know, he talks about, he uses the, uh, the imagery of a body, you know, that the church is a body, but it's all united under the, uh, the head, and Jesus is the head, right? you know, so, so that's the driving force, right? You know, right. we know our brain is the, <laughs> we can't you know, remove your brain, you're, you're in trouble, like you will, you will not do anything, you will, <laughs> uh, so you, you need the head, you need that, yeah. that executive function uh, to make everything else work together, Jesus is the executive function within the church, mm-hmm. we need to, uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm going to go off all kinds no, of No, it just, it goes back to what I've said many times, make the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. I mean, that, we joke around in the Christian world, that's the Sunday school answer. You know why it's the Sunday school answer? Because it's right. <laughs> that's why. And so we got to make the main thing the main thing. And uh, yes, when we make the main thing the, make thi- the main thing, we'll be transformed. We'll be formed into his image more, and we'll be able to be more unified. And I think when we, when we are transformed more into the image of Jesus, humility will be almost a natural byproduct. Because I'll see people differently. And remember, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, could have been served like crazy. He says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. We're called to do the same. Yeah. And that's a wrestling thing with pol- with faith or in politics. It's it's a wrestling match. We're just trying to understand with you listeners and viewers that we're with you in this journey. It's weird sometimes. It's messy. How do we respond? How do we love people? Life is messy. It's why we can't also do life alone. We need each other. Oh, the circle. The circle. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, hey, I just I want to ask because I was looking over there and it looked like he was thinking something. JB, were you thinking something? First John one seven. Are you going to recite it to us? Otherwise, I'll look it up. I don't have that. Oh, you text. <laughs> we need to just we need to get your phone. We actually need to just plug you a plug a mic in so that when oh, we so we can say hey so we can say hey. JB, do what? Fact check. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. While you look that verse up, I watch if when I can college game day on ESPN for football, and so they've got the they got the the guys like on the booth talking about the games and this and that. And every once in a while, the camera pans to a guy over in the corner that his nickname is Bear, the he, Bear, Bear. Oh, just bear. and that he's got like three picks on his board that he picks, and but he does like interesting like stats and just this and that every once in a while i feel like jb's like the bear to this podcast like it's you and i but then the camera can zoom into him and he's got his mic and he can chime in when we there you go yeah well because there have been several times where it's like oh man like i know jb is thinking something over there like i want i want his i want his thoughts on this um Maybe for the next episode, we'll plug you in a mic. First John 1, 7, this is out of the uh, ESV. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we need a mic so JB can give us like a brief commentary on that. You can't walk in the light unless you know the light. But there's also the, fel- the fellowship. The fellowship. Is that the part, you know, the fellowship aspect of that, you know, which is, you know, the unity. Why not? So, yeah. 
Okay, it's text. Did you Which just text fel- me again? Fellowship okay, so, is somebody like, just texted me. Fellowship yeah. is one of those Christian <laughs> words. We just need to get him a mic. We need to get him a mic. <laughs> yeah. Where else do you hear the word fellowship? It's definitely within the church, but I don't hear fellow fellowship often outside church. Anyway, side note. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ready to anything wrap else? Up? I'm looking at yeah. I'm looking at the timer, and we're then, this is setting so up for the next one episode more, about one more now episode. we get a little more on the issues. Into the issues. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been episode 41 of Reading Reflections. Uh, we called this one game of red v blue, uh, part one probably because I don't know. We'll probably just call it the next one the same thing. Um, I don't know. No, that's good. Yeah, I, I I did have another G. I did have another G name. Maybe we'll maybe we'll use that one. <laughs> I didn't bold it. I didn't bold I it. I, I don't know. So it's been episode forty-one. My name is Josh Herma. It's Pastor Ryan Bibb. We're glad you've been uh, weathering this with us as we've been uh, just wading through uh, faith and politics. We would love it if you would like, share, rate, review, subscribe, throw this on your social media, let people know uh, if you enjoy this podcast. We would love to be able to uh, bring uh, this material to as wide of an audience as possible. Not because uh, we think we're awesome, but we think we really feel like the content is something that could be beneficial to uh, you and to your family, to your friends. Uh, and maybe, hopefully, like this has given you some tools to where if you do have a political conversation at Thanksgiving this year, you're better equipped to do that from a faith perspective. right? All of this is, is aimed at equipping you to uh, follow Jesus, to live like Jesus in every area of your life, including politics. Well, hey, we're going to uh, push stop on the cameras, then we'll be right back to finish up with our uh, episode on issues. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.